Hello and welcome to the Life House Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with Caroline Thomas and Sam McKee. How are you going girls? Hello. Thank you. Hello. Well, hi everybody in podcast land. I love this. That this is Sam's first time and she's doing an awesome job, but I love that we can see it's the first time because she's waving at you all. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. used to do that as well, Sam. Don't worry. Now we just like, we're not waving. So. It's just a twitch. It's just so a twitch. like a hand, like talky hand person. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no one can see my hand just to this. See, but they don't need to, but Sam's actually waving. Put a secret camera up there, didn't you know? We all do so we're continuing on our series on Philippines 3 today so um, Carolyn do you want to wrap up last week a bit? You could have warned me Lena. Well you said you were doing <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Alright so what did we talk about last week? Yeah, so we, as Lena said we're on Philippines 3. And um, we spoke about circumcision last week and, and we just spoke about how, you know, Paul was facing, um, when he was writing this letter, he was really um, coming out strongly against the Jews that were coming and saying that the Christians needed to do more on top of, um, you know, the work of Christ on the cross. They needed to be circumcised. They needed to follow laws and stuff. And just talking, we looked about how um, circumcision is to be circumcision of the heart in other words so it's about a heart attitude and a heart devotion to God it's about obeying his commands it's not about the appearance uh, outward appearance and observance of all these laws and rituals it's actually what's going on in your heart because it is possible you know to be doing all this kind of stuff outwardly and, and working and think you're working for for the Lord but still have bitterness and hatred and stuff in your heart so really that's what yeah that's what we talk about didn't we that circumcision mm. is nothing it's about your heart attitude. Right. Sam, do you want to read verses 3 to 7? Yes, please. Philippians 3, verses 3 to 7. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All right, now um, what what has happened here is that Paul had just come out and against these Jewish teachers and, and you know, he said here, it is we who are the circumcision, we serve God by his spirit. And so, um, you know, he, he's insisting that it's the Christians, not the Jews, who are actually the circumcised, who are the covenant people. And, you know, that was probably, there's a good chance that that would have been in response to um, accusations that they would have flung at him, um, you know, um, possibly saying that, um, you know, you're not a Christian, uh, you know, you're a Christian, you're not a Jew, so what do you know about it? Um, you don't know what you're talking about. And so he, he's doing this to actually show that he knows exactly or he knew exactly what it was to be a Jew in every sense of the term and that he still abandoned all to follow Jesus. Mm. So why did you laugh, Lena? So that's a pretty decent resume there. Yeah. <laughs> you say I can't talk to you about this? Well, here you go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
And I mean, you know that would have been the, the thing coming. Well, what do you know? You know, you're not a Jew. And he's like, I know exactly. So, so he was setting out his credentials not to boast, but to show his critics that he knew what it was to be a Jew in every sense of the term, and he deliberately abandoned it all for the sake of Christ. Mm. All right. So if we look, um, we're going to just look through that and those verses at what he catalogues as his Jewishness. And um, I've, 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 you know, we've got points that we've taken from Barclay's study Bible and. Um, so yeah, the girls are just going to talk about the different points. We'll each have different ones so that we don't, you know, go over the same stuff. So um, the first one that Paul states is that um, privileges which came to him by birth, basically. So Lena, do you want to talk to to that? Yeah. So he had been circumcised when he was eight days old, as per the commandment of God to Abraham in Genesis 17:12. So this commandment was repeated as a permanent law of Israel in Leviticus 12:3. And by this claim, Paul is is making it clear that he was not a proselyte who had come late into the Jewish faith and had been circumcised in manhood. He stresses the fact that he had been born into the Jewish faith and had known its privileges and observed its ceremonies since his birth. So he had that that token of God's covenant in his flesh. Okay, um, and then he was of the race of the people of Israel. So when the Jews wished to stress their special relationship to God in its most unique sense, it was the word Israelite that they used. Um, Israel was the name given to by God to Jacob after his wrestling with him. And it was the Israelites alone who could trace their descent to Jacob, whom God had called by the name of Israel. By calling himself an Israelite, Paul stressed the absolute purity of his descent. And um, when I was looking through sort of my study notes, it was saying that that pure racial descent meant that there was Israelite parents throughout the entire family line, so both male and female, mm-hmm. all the way through. So not a single Gentile or foreigner had married into the family. It was a completely pure bloodline. So it's really sort of an aristocracy, isn't it? Yeah. In, um, in a way of, of Jewishness, hey? And even more so with um, the fact that he was the tribe of Benjamin. He was not only an Israelite, he belonged to the elite of Israel. Um, the tribe of Benjamin had a special place in the aristocracy of Israel. Benjamin was the son of Rachel, the well-loved wife of Jacob, and of all the twelve patriarchs, he alone had been born in the Promised Land. And from the tribe of Benjamin, you came um, Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And when the kingdom was split up, Benjamin was the only tribe which remained faithful with the tribe of Judah. And then when they returned from exile, it was from the tribes of Benjamin and Judah that the nucleus of the reborn nation was formed. And then you have Mordecai, Esther's cousin, um, was from the tribe of Benjamin. So when Paul stated that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, it was a claim that he was not just an Israelite, but that he belonged to the absolute highest aristocracy of Israel. And um, I did a, a little bit of study too. And, you know, Benjamin means son of my right hand, so the man who will sit next to me. And I thought that was, you know, indicative of the high standing. And Benjamin is the territory which Jerusalem was originally in. You know, pretty pretty high thing. And so also where the temple, where the temple would have stood. Which would have stood, pretty yeah. Important. And then the last thing is um, Jacob had four uh, four mothers of children. Two were wives and two were concubines. Um, and Benjamin was from Rachel, the one that Jacob actually loved, loved and worked yeah. 14 years for in total, seven for Leah. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I've worked hard, this hard and now I have to marry you. How much rejection for Leah. He didn't Leah. know until afterwards. No, he didn't know until afterwards. But, um, yeah, so Benjamin was that son, and after Joseph was 
you know, carried off to Egypt. He Benjamin was the, was the last one. Yeah. So he was a pretty special child in Israel's eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's basically the highest of the aristocracy. Yeah. And then Paul goes further on and he states his achievements. So, so the ones that we've just talked about were the privileges that, you know, came to him by birth, circumcised when he was eight days old, showing that he actually was born into the Jewish faith. Um, he was of the, the race of Israel and he was a tr- you know, from specifically the tribe of Benjamin. And now he goes on to state his achievements. So what he's actually achieved, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So Sam, do you want to talk to that first one? Yeah, he was born a Hebrew of Hebrews. So that ha- means that he had Hebrew parents. Um, and because the Jews were dispersed all over the world, um, frequently they had to speak another language because it was the language of the land, um, generally Greek. Um, but a Hebrew was someone who not only spoke that language of the land, but they also spoke um, the Hebrew language. And they deliberately and often laboriously retained that Hebrew tongue. And such a Jew would speak the language of the country, but also his ancestral language, which if you had parents who spoke that ancestral language and then they taught the child, then that child will become bilingual, not as a second language, but a a native speaker to that tongue. And that has all sorts of really cool benefits because they understand the nuance of the word and the Torah would have been written in Hebrew. And so Paul would have been able to instantly understand the context and the meaning of each of those words um, in a way that a non-native Hebrew speaker would be able to understand so that's what he's saying there yeah good and then he goes on to say that um in regard to the law he was a pharisee i mean that just i don't want to say it freaks me out but when i just think of paul you know he was saul when he was a pharisee and saul became paul and you know i just think sometimes when i wrestle with um you know, if I feel, oh, I've been harsh or I've been legalistic and, you know, wrestle with it. Like, how must Paul have wrestled with what he did to the church when mm. he persecuted? But, well, uh, it, well, actually, he probably maybe didn't wrestle as much as what I would do because I need to just accept what Christ did and he fully accepted that and it was behind him. But, I mean, just think how heavy that was for him, hey, to mm. you'd have to fully grasp the righteousness of Christ. Um, and just put that all behind him because otherwise it could just be, you know, the enemy would probably try to condemn him all the time about what he did with the church and persecuting. So he was this, tra- he was a trained Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there weren't many Pharisees. There were never more than 6,000 and they were the spiritual athletes of Judaism. And their name actually means the separated ones. And they separated themselves off from all common life and all common tests in order to make it their one aim of their life was to keep the smallest detail of the law. But even that they couldn't do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Jesus called them hypocrites. He called them a brood of vipers. You know, they look all right. They're trying to show all this observance on the outside but inside. And and that's what Paul was. He was mm. a trained Pharisee. It's a lifelong commitment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he trained as well with, you know, the very best and, and stuff. So And as you say, with the Hebrew and the retaining of the language, it was really... Mm. And then he says, as for zeal persecuting the church. So he's trying to show them, like, you think I'm not a Jew or I don't understand. Hey, let me tell you what I did. Boom, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd been a persecutor of the church. And, and, and to a, a Jew, zeal is one of the greatest qualities of their in their religious life. And he'd been so zealous that he tried to wipe out all opponents of Judaism. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> 
and he was never ashamed to confess his shame and to tell men that he once he hated the Christ whom he now loved and, and he, he would tell them as well he sought to obliterate the church which he now served and it's Paul's claim then that he knew Judaism at its most most intense and most fanatical because he was mm-hmm. a fanatic and you know as as he said he just tried to wipe out everybody in the church and so he was really mm-hmm. fanatical about it and then he goes on to say that as for righteousness based on the law faultless so he said there was no demand of the law which he didn't fulfill you know so he knew all so that, that was really you know if they came and said oh you don't know what you're talking about and, and yeah. <laughs> he knew what he was talking about very much mm. so yeah mm. um, Sam do you want to read out verse 7 I can it says but where sorry I'll start again but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Um, so Paul is saying that although he has all these reasons to put confidence in, in the flesh, he does not, and all the things that he believed to be his glory, he now considers them just nothing, mm-hmm. completely garbage. And what, is, what does that say to us about human achievement? Well, I guess it's, you know, if you're not in a right relationship with God, then it means nothing. Anything we do means nothing. And, um, you know, because we don't get any closer to God by any of our achievements and, um, you know, our works are not circumcision for us. Mm. And even more than that, it can actually become a stumbling block Mm. and, you know, distract us from, you know, finding that true relationship with God that comes by our faith. And I guess you can have pride as well, you know, in there yeah. and, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look how the world, the world um, rewards human achievement and success yeah. and we can translate that into the church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. even there you're saying, like, the world rewards it and so in the world we'd be striving in our workplaces to be the best or, you know, to... to um, get that success and stuff and you know translate into church as well we also think then that's that working for God as well working 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 yeah. and that's going to earn approval hey? I was trying so desperately to to find a, a figure in human history who did what Paul did who had you know all this worldly wealth and influence and affluence and then chose to give it up for something and I guess I couldn't find them because they became like a nobody for their cause. But I didn't actually find one thing. Like, I I guess I found Chris Rock who gave up some of his movie positions to become um, a person who took a stand for Jesus and wouldn't be in certain films, but that wasn't really what I was trying to find. But to have someone who had such... Uh, standing in the community. Yeah, because he would have had you know, to he, as a Pharisee. And, and some of it, like the, those things, um, the Pharisee and the Hebrew of Hebrews and the persecutor of the church and righteousness based on the law, he could have actually done those things, but more than that, he had those other qualities that you can only get through birth. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people um, are not born into that situation, so he had the full gamut. He yeah. had, mm-hmm. you know, the royal flush yeah. um, of, of things and he chose to fold. 
And that's what, you know, for me, I always think, and maybe there were some people that looked at it, but I always think, like, the people that knew him as Saul and when he was persecuted, and to see that total change in him, mm. to me, like, what a testimony. You would mm. think that that would make people, you know, because for someone like that who was so zealously persecuting the church to change, you'd want to, like, say, hey, what's happened? Yeah. And maybe some people did. Yeah. But, you know, always like, you know... God can always use someone who's so zealous for the wrong thing and turn them, if they're willing, to become so zealous for the right thing. I mean, so even just his laugh there um, and that Mm. total turning, that total repentance, that total 180-degree turn would have been a testimony as well to people and... Yeah, I'm, there must have been some people. I, I think must I, have been, because like, his reputation went ahead of him. Yeah. You yeah. know? And there would have been um, probably a lot of them, like the Jews and the Pharisees, that would have totally shunned him, obviously. We know that. Yeah. But I just always sort of think about the people that it must have impacted seeing, you know, mm-hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. So what does it what does it look like today when we rely on traditions or, or things try to, to, to work out um, to earn our salvation? Again, it's just that hey, that you, you, it's just that striving and effort, and, and it's just we've got to realise that we're never going to get into a right relationship with mm-hmm. our own efforts. And as I said before, that um, sometimes it's hard for us to really get that concept and understand that we have the righteousness of Christ, because you know I know I still even struggle with that because I'll still. Um, feel like I want to come to God and you know um, if I if I blow it or I have the wrong attitude or something I just feel shame and think oh, I'll let you down and, and to just really get that that I'm trying to deal with my attitudes and my emotions and whatever because I'm trying to just dress myself up in my righteousness not that I'm saying you don't try mm. and deal with it but I don't need to come feeling shame when I blow it because you know he looks at me through Christ and what Christ yeah. has done mm. and uh, you know it can look like someone trying to like balance their good deeds versus their yeah, their bad yeah. deeds is some sort of Christian karma. Yeah, yeah. So if I've blown it here, God, if I do this for you, I do X number of deeds, then that will cancel yeah, out that. You see, although um, the the rulers in the medieval times, they would build a chapel or fund a church, you know, because they thought that that would give yeah. you right standing with God. Yeah. And we have these beautiful buildings, but it meant jack squat yeah, in yeah. terms of relationship with God because that relationship only comes through the blood of yeah. Jesus Christ yeah. yeah and I mean the Bible talks about our right, own righteousness being as filthy rags yeah. and I always think every time I'm striving it's like me trying to come into the king's presence with a stinking filthy garment on it just mm. not going to happen and you know it's just like Jesus comes and just puts it over you yeah, yeah. and to just accept that and and that's hard for us because we want to earn something stuff yeah. It's hard for us just to accept, and like I, we said before about the independent spirit, to just accept that that's been done. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. I need to just accept it. Yeah, Romans three ten says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Yeah. So even Paul, with all of his keeping the law to a T, yeah. is still not righteous in his own yeah. strength. Yeah. Mm. And he recognised that, and so was able to give it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure it's like right on this topic, but. You know, sometimes I feel like, um, you know, so, so many of the church, you know what I was saying several podcasts ago about, like, social justice, you know, mm-hmm. like, missionary trips to build orphanages or, you know, sponsoring children and campaigning against human trafficking, you know, these are all good things, but, you know, sometimes I feel like the church just becomes, like, this social club mm-hmm. rather than this, I don't know, just fully grasping, like, just the work of Christ and accepting that and dedicating our life to 
like his mm. cause. Like it, I don't know. It just yeah. becomes like a little. Well, loving God comes first. Yeah. And getting that and relationship that right comes first. Yeah. 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 And that's so all of that is, as you say, is good, and we need to do it. But we need to be bringing mm. the message of the gospel. And I'm sure lots of the organisations yeah. do, but you know, I'm sure not all of them are. But it's that really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many people out there who think that they can pay God back yeah. for what he's done, you know, yeah. in a good way. They're like, well, I owe you, so I'm going to start paying off that debt. And they fail to realise that not in a, a million lifetimes could you ever even get to one cent out of the And that's it, isn't thing. it? It's about that high attitude because all our service should flow out of just absolute gratitude and yep. love. And so it's a response. It's not about, um, yeah, trying to pay back or whatever. And, and and we like that. I mean, the society we live in. I oh, know if someone does me a favour, then I feel like I need to do something. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's so human nature that yeah. we almost, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Revelations two, the the letter to Ephesus, it talks about you know, Jesus says, "I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, and that you have tested." Those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from from its place. You know, I feel like it's the same thing. Like they're trying to earn and they're doing all these good things but they've forsaken you know, the, the loving Jesus of forsaking the first things mm-hmm. um, to do the work. It's that taking that good thing and separating it from Jesus Christ, which is a way into deception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you know, trying to deal with your sin and your addictions, yeah. everything in your own strength rather than... Yeah. Well, that's God. Because God is so holy and so good, you know, if you love him with your whole heart, you cannot help but have acts of righteousness in response to that which is a great thing that's part of your sanctification process but you know to do it the other way around is is backwards yep. and not right mm. alright so let's um, look at verse 9 it says and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith mm. I just want to take a deep breath, Aunt. Like it's just oh, when I read that, not having my um, a righteousness of my own that comes from the Lord. It's like oh, I can stop striving. Hey, it's mm. just so exhausting to be trying to earn and you know your own righteousness all the time. I just got a picture of um, you know when you do a high ropes course and you're in the harness. Uh, uh, some I don't know firsthand, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, on camp sometimes yeah, you take the kids minutes. up and they've got this wire and they're in a harness and the harness can hold them, but it's like someone absolutely it. clinging yeah. to the to the wire and sweating and getting really tired and their hands are cramping, not realising that if they just let go, yeah. they're not going to fall. Yeah. They're in a harness. They're safe there, yeah. but they're still clinging to that thing because for them it's safety, yeah. not recognising that the only thing that's truly safe is the harness that's holding them there. And, and that's the hard part though, isn't it? Because yeah. it's something external to them like that they have to trust in. That's where it comes. That's why it's hard. And that's the, what I had with my shoulder surgery when yeah. I had my sling. And um, Callan said to me, Mum, you can relax, like, your arm. Like, I was holding my arm still, like, all yeah. tense. And he's like, that's what the sling's there for, like, <laughs> relax into the sling. It feels so good. And it's that, it's that 
you know, trust issue. Yeah. Not that I'm thinking, oh, I don't trust this thing, but you know, that's the deeper thing. It's like you, you just, you know, tense all the time. Like I, I noticed today when I was holding my notes and writing, like this hand is like tight, and I'm like, I'm holding it so tight. <laughs> I feel like all the time it's just that <laughs> tight grip, you know, and that, you know, mm. it's just um, translates into just. There's it's hard to let go and let someone else. And that freedom and that liberty that yeah. comes from knowing that you can't do it in your own strength. It yeah. has to be by God's spirit. It has to be Christ's righteousness. Um, it does actually free you up. And it does yeah. bring freedom. I always think of it as like, how much now, because we've been trained from Tani, like how many of you actually sit and think before you plop yourself down on a chair, hey, is this chair going to hold me? Can I trust this chair to hold me? Sometimes. Yeah, but but generally, I mean, it's so wonky. We just do it, so we've got trust in it yeah. to hold us. I mean, if every time you sat in a chair broke, then eventually that trust would get broken. But you know, we do it with that. But we struggle so much to trust God and let God. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think as well, we we trust Him with our eternal salvation, but in all the little day to day things, like to let go and just trust in that as well. It's like it's ludicrous, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really as well here where Paul's talking about it again, it's what we've been saying over and over through all this passage. I think this is the theme that's coming out, that a right relationship with God is not based on law. It's not based on anything we can do, but only on faith in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we can achieve. It's not achieved by man. It's given by God. And it's not won by works, but it's accepted in trust. And I think that's what the whole of Philippians 3 really has come out, hasn't it? The theme of yeah. not by works mm-hmm. or circumcision or anything that you've done yeah. or achieved or right. been born into. It's by grace alone. I really like the dictionary um, definition of righteousness in my Vines dictionary. It says, you know, righteousness is unattainable by obedience to any law or by any merit of man's own or any other condition than that of faith in Christ. Yeah. You know, and like I just love that righteousness through faith in Christ is completely perfect. You can't add to it, you can't subtract to it. There's no need for, you know, these continual sacrifices. It was like Christ's work on the cross, that complete act yeah. of mm-hmm. redemption. You know, we have like no need for striving. That's just that faith provides access to that completed completed work and you know we're brought yeah. into that right relationship that we cannot attain by anything else yeah. we can't say that enough hey? like, that's like Rena repeat and repeat and repeat because <laughs> yeah. isn't that we struggle do you all agree here that you all strive Yes, I do. Yeah, I just like. I, I try and earn brownie points sometimes. <laughs> I said to David, I think when no, I go okay. to heaven, you know, I die and go to heaven, it's going to be for the first time I'm going to feel like this big weight off me, like, <sighs> you know, just so like totally relaxed that I've probably never felt down here. Yeah, mm. it's a constant. Yeah, fighting that it's, to stop striving—it's—it's it's a battle in your mind, and you strive to stop striving to take those thoughts captive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's ridiculous, right? It's like you know, you're worried when you're not worried, type thing. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Mm. This, yeah, completed work. Yes, done. <laughs> and that's why it's so important to have the word in you, because you know, just to take those thoughts captive, and you know. Yeah. Um, Often you'll just have to be, no, this is what the word says, I have the righteousness of Christ. So even if I don't feel it or I'm striving, I have to tell myself that, speak the word over myself and you know, mm. just obey it, irrespective of feeling. Yeah. Mm. So that's all for from us, this podcast. 
Um, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope that you're really getting into Philippians 3 in your own own study. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can jump onto our website www.life-house.net or you can find us on Facebook at um, slash Lifehouse Ministries. I do admit I want to have a little chuckle everything. Every time you say jump onto our website, you know, it's like a literal vision. <laughs> 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 you know, jumping on the computer, sorry. <laughs> well, that's so all from us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, see you next time.